Hey, y'all, just a quick heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is eight to 10 years old. Now, these episodes were intended to be evergreen, and I still believe there's a lot of good information in these early episodes, but I do want to let you know that some of my ideas have evolved over time. Times have changed since we made these episodes, and ultimately, I'd like to think I've grown a lot as an artist and a human and that these don't necessarily represent my best work or the best of the podcast. If you're new around here, I suggest starting with the most recent episode or at least go back to around 300 and move forward from there. Enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody, it's the Creative Pep Talk podcast with me, commercial artist Andy J. Miller. This is part two of Make Them Care. This episode is talking about learning to take your inspirations and the things you're excited about and translate them with your art and get other people to be excited about them. Not just like taking a quick snapshot and throwing it up there on Instagram, but how do you translate it? so that other people can see what you're seeing and get excited about what you're excited about. Um, And so that's what this episode's about. We're going to jump right in. It kind of picks up right where we left off from last episode. If you haven't heard that one, go check that one out. Thank you guys for everything. You can check this out on illustrationage.com slash creativepeptalk or on soundcloud.com slash creativepeptalk or on iTunes. Thanks for your support. Enjoy the show. Find things that you're inspired by, but also bear in mind that there's an audience with their own thoughts and feelings that they're bringing to the table in in respecting that so that you can gain attention for what you're saying. So number one is just plain and simple, which is just include your audience. You know, recently uh, I kept drawing this little skull that I was like super enamored with, loved it. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get over it. It was like just a part square, part circle, very simple. And I was just totally obsessed with this. And I thought, man, I would love to have a t-shirt with a skull on it. But it just, my experience said that if I just make a skull t-shirt, it's going to sell maybe five or six t-shirts. And, you know, I wanted a bigger response than that. And so I took that thing that was inspiring me, exciting me, and I thought, okay, I can either... Uh, sell a t-shirt to this outdoor company in the UK called Howie's or I can uh, do a cotton bureau. When I did that, I thought, okay, for Howie's, I could turn it into a bike t-shirt and I could you know, do like a ride or die thing or something where I'm tapping into the cycling market and I'm getting to do my thing. And if I'm going to do it on Cotton Bureau, I thought, who's the audience on Cotton Bureau? Most of them are designers. And so I thought, all right, I'm a designer, an illustrator, freelance guy. I know something about those struggles. What kind of thing can I incorporate this cool skull that I'm into? What can I incorporate into a t-shirt design for that crowd? And so I came up with something about chasing uh, uh, late outstanding invoices. And so I'm probably going to make that into a t-shirt. But it was a way of like taking that thing that was inspiring me and not just taking a screenshot of it, not just taking a pic of the cloud and being like, isn't that cloud amazing? But figuring out how do I transfer this interest, this passion, this thought, and this feeling 
into something that this audience is going to care about. I actually think that we're, we're in this heightened time of this. And I don't know if it's because things have changed or just because we have more feedback. But I think, you know, 10 or 20 years ago, people were a lot more happy to look at uh, people on stage and, and worship these heroes, these musicians, these artists, these comedians. We were happy to look at those people and think, oh, aren't they amazing? I'll never be that awesome. And, and I think that now things have shifted and we're not happy with that anymore. We're not happy with that level of involvement. We want to be more involved. And I think you see this everywhere. I think a great way you see it is on late night TV. You know, it used to be Johnny Carson, David Letterman, Jay Leno, these cocky uh, guys who are really witty and funny and all this good stuff coming out with these great jokes and everybody's excited and talking about them. And I think if you look at now, you got these people like Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon, uh, who so much of their act is audience participation. You know, they'll, Jimmy Fallon will put, he'll put out these hashtags and he'll find these funny things from people on Twitter. And you look at Jimmy Kimmel and a lot of his stuff is like YouTube videos. He will prompt something, but the content will actually be user-generated. And so I think we're in a time especially where the audience is refusing to take a passive role. And I think why should they? I think it's actually uh, it's, it's pretty fantastic that we're in a time where people aren't going to just sit back and say, let those who are much better than me uh, get all the fame and glory. And I think as an artist, it's very inclusive and respectful to include your audience um, and various audiences in your work. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site, it's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. 
I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In the Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In the Making and Adobe Express for their support. And so I think just the first thing that you can do is just be intentional about including your audience. The second thing that I think is really important has helped me is don't vomit, translate. So take your, take your inspiration, the thing that's getting you excited, the thing that you care about most, and take that thing and don't just, again, don't just take a snapshot and throw it up on Instagram and just totally vomit I like that thing, I put it down on the paper, you should like that thing. Don't just vomit the inspiration out. Translate it. And so I think back to when I was in middle school, if I came and I said, I had this amazing dream, it was this, this, and this. Isn't that amazing? And they're like, no, it's not amazing. It's not even interesting. I think in that same way, it's like, of course it's not interesting. Because what, what was amazing about it for me was getting to experience it firsthand. And so that's just me vomiting my experience, just regurgitating. You know, you're just regurgitating that feeling of seeing that giant cloud in the sky, but they weren't there. Unless they're there, they don't care, right? And so just reiterating my dream is a very, very different thing than drawing my dream. You know, letting them experience it firsthand. And then let's take it a step further. What if I recreate the dream in an art gallery and now it's an immersive experience and now they're getting to experience what I've experienced and all of a sudden, instead of just talking, we're communicating and we're transferring these thoughts and these feelings. You know, one of the ways that you can learn to translate instead of just vomiting is working on your craft, you know, working on your, uh, your storytelling, like learning this story or this inspiration, whatever this thing is that's exciting me, how do I take that thing and how do I, or what platform would this story be best told? So maybe that little skull thing that I got excited about, maybe it doesn't translate perfectly to a t-shirt, but actually it would make a better kid's book, which it wouldn't. That's a terrible idea to make a kid's book about a skull. (laughs) I don't know. But maybe that's not the best way. Maybe that's not the best way to uh, transfer uh, this thought, this inspiration, and this feeling. So... One of the things you can do is, you know, I have this obsession with dreams. In my latest experiment, I haven't finished it. I don't know if it's going to work out. But I did a dream journal a few years ago. And you know what? That kind of worked a little bit. But it was still kind of just like vomiting. It was was kind of just like regurgitating this, this excitement. It wasn't really immersive. And so now I'm trying to write a kid's book. I'm trying to learn a new craft to translate you know, into language that people are already interested in. Like there's already an audience of people 
that like kids' books, that like kids' stories. And if I can learn the craft of telling those stories, all of a sudden I can transfer this excitement through a field that actually gets other people excited. And so I think that's one of the ways that you can really make people care. Another way you can make people care is sheer wow factor. You know, I think I heard this great quote. I don't know where it comes from. My friend Andrew Nyer told me it. And he said, I think he said one of his teachers said, if you can't make something good, make it big. So if you can't paint, paint something big. Because just the wow factor of scale will get people's attention. And so I think one of the ways you, you can take this and do something, you know, if, you're, if dreams really, really excite you, do some crazy piece that takes you thousands of hours. And just by sheer wow factor, you can gain their interest. Do something that, you know, one of the definitions of delighting people is taking more time and energy and care in something that's inconsequential. So putting all kinds of passion and interest behind little tiny details that other people wouldn't be willing to focus on, all of a sudden you're delighting someone because they're like, oh, I I never would have thought to take so much time and energy on this little thing. And they're going to look at it in a different light that they haven't seen it before. And so another way is just like baking in wow factor by if that thing moves you, push into it like crazy in in ways other people wouldn't be willing to. And for me, it shows up like, uh, you know, jogging. Jogging's not interesting, right? Like tons of people jog. Nobody's really bothered. Nobody's that interested in it. But if you jog for long enough, if you put that extra mile into it, kind of that was kind of like a pun. I didn't mean it to be. But if you put that extra mile into it, right, all of a sudden you get all kinds of people caring that never would have cared before. And I think of Forrest Gump as the example. Nobody cares if you go out for a jog. But if you jog to the other side of the country, all of a sudden everybody's like, why are you doing this? What, what's the purpose? Are you doing it for, to, to fight AIDS? Or are you doing this? You know, whatever. If you go the extra mile for this passion and you put the wow factor into it, all of a sudden you're going to start getting people's attention. And you're not going to be just talking. You're going to be translating and communicating. The last one is about your vision for what you're making. I recently revisited this fantastic talk called The Shape of Design by Frank Chimero. I think you can say his name a lot of different ways, so if I'm wrong, go ahead and check it out and prove me wrong. But uh, he did this fantastic talk. It's on Vimeo. It's called The Shape of Design. And one of the things he talks about is, with design and illustration, you can actually warrant a physical response from someone. You can make someone actually cry. You can make someone actually laugh. And I'm a big believer in this idea that you should shoot for the stars. And if you don't make it, at least you land in the, cl- in, in the clouds. Whereas if you shoot for a puddle and make it, you're still in a puddle, right? So I think shooting for a specific response, a vision, like when I make this illustration, when people see it, I want them to burst out with laughter. Even if you don't get there, even if you just get a smile, that physical response connects people 
to your work and you're now transferring your thoughts and feelings to them. Have you ever had a vague idea of what you wanted to say in a presentation and you decided to improv it? I've done that in the past and it's I've gone down in complete flames. It went terribly. I was like, eh, I kind of have an idea of what I want to say and you get up there and you ramble and say all kinds of different things that mean nothing. I think that that's kind of like when you make a piece of work but you don't have a specific vision for how you want people to respond. It can often just, often just be this vague uh, response. I mean, in that face of uncertainty and people looking at your work, people can be underwhelmed and you're not going to grab their intention. I think it's the difference between being a pro and being an amateur, being a one-hit wonder, being able to consistently warrant physical, emotional, visceral responses from your work is a game changer. And so I think thinking before you make, what do I want people to feel or think when they interact with this piece of work? And then purposefully, strategically going into that and planning for that and trying to make that happen. And so that's pretty much all I've got today. You know, I think the difference between success and failure in these terms is make or break in your in your career. And if we go back to people like Joanna Newsom and, and this one of my art, favorite artists who has had grown more in self-indulgent in their work over time. And again, I'm not using self-indulgent as a diss because I I think their work is better than it's ever been. I just think it's also more challenging than it's ever been. And I think that if Joanna Newsom put out the record that she just put out, uh, if that was her first record. I think she'd have a really hard time gaining people's attention because it lacks, there's no chorus on any of these songs, right? And that's extremely challenging for music listeners. But early on, her earlier work, her first CD had, you know, they were three-minute songs, classical pop structure. And I think that my point is this. Unless you've got a giant wad of cash in the bank, you need to be thinking about your audience. In this show, we always talk about thriving financially as an artist, but also being creatively fulfilled. And I think the best way to do that is to take some from the Venn diagram, the some from the side of you and some from the side of the audience and finding that place where you overlap and that's your sweet spot. Not chasing trends, not just chasing the audience, but also not just getting not just getting totally over obsessed with your own little interests and, and not bothering to translate it for anybody else. You know what I mean? I think if you're if if you fail to do so, especially when you're starting out, you're 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 gonna your art is gonna fall flat and you're not going to gain any attention, you're not going to gain any traction. But if you're successful, and when people interact with your work, they laugh or they smile or they cry because you've transferred those feelings, people are going to share it. People are going to be interested. They're going to tell other people about it. And that's how you end up getting the good work. And so my call to action for you is to start thinking deeply about 
what things excite you? What things get you when, when start noticing, being observant about when something strikes you and makes you have a physical response. And then think about how can I bring that to another audience? How can I bring that into the world and not just say, hey, I saw this cool thing, but how do you give them the same experience that you had? And I think if you can do that, that's when things really start to get interesting. And if you can do that systematically, that's when you become a real pro. And so that's all I've got today. This was a weird experiment doing the Periscope thing. I don't know if I'll do it again. It was fun. And uh, I, might, I might try it out from time to time. But I hope generally that you got something out of it. I hope you loved it. I want to thank you guys so much for all your support uh, for the podcast, all of your uh, interest, your reviews. Um, yeah, it is a little distracting to do the, uh, the Periscope thing with your little comments, but it was kind of fun too. So I might, I might do a, uh, a balance. I might do some Periscopes and some podcasts and maybe some overlap, but we'll see. Thank you guys for listening and participating. Thanks for the reviews on iTunes. They really do mean a lot to me and they help other people find the show. Thank you guys for sharing it on social media. Uh, thank you just thank you. I love doing this. Um, I, I love being having a place to share the thoughts and feelings that I'm having about my work and, and about being a creative person. Thank you, Illustration Age, uh, for being great syndicates, for uh, sharing the podcast to thousands of people. You can find the podcast on illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. Thanks, guys. And until next week, stay pepped up. <laughs>